0: Welcome to Bible Chapter Every Day. I'm Matthew. Our chapter today is Second Peter chapter 1. Let's ask God to bless our time today. Heavenly Father, as we read this chapter, we pray that we would look at our lives and see if we are growing. We pray that we would be growing in our spiritual character. We pray this through Jesus. Amen. Second Peter 1. Simon Peter, a slave and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have obtained a faith equal in value to ours by the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. May grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, because his divine power has bestowed on us all things that are necessary for life and godliness through the knowledge of the one who called us By his own glory and excellence of character, through which things he has bestowed on us his precious and very great promises, so that through these you may become sharers of the divine nature after escaping from the corruption that is in the world because of evil desire. And for this same reason, and by applying all diligence, supply with your faith excellence of character and with excellence of character, knowledge, and with knowledge, self-control, and with self-control, patient endurance, and with patient endurance, godliness, and with godliness, brotherly love, and with brotherly love, love. For if these things are yours and are increasing, This does not make you useless or unproductive in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For the one for whom these things are not present is blind, being nearsighted, having forgotten the cleansing of his former sins. Therefore, brothers, be zealous even more to make your calling and election secure, because if you do these things, you will never ever stumble. For in this way, entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ will be richly supplied for you. Therefore, I intend to remind you continually concerning these things, although you know them and are established in the truth that you have. But I consider it right, for as long as I am in this habitation, to stir you up by a reminder, because I know that the removal of my habitation is imminent, as indeed our Lord Jesus Christ made clear to me, and I will also make every effort that you are able at any time after my departure to recall these things to mind. For we did not make known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ by following ingeniously concocted myths, but by being eyewitnesses of that one's majesty. For he received honor and glory from God the Father when a voice such as this was brought to him by the majestic glory. This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. And we ourselves heard this voice, brought from heaven, when we were with him on the holy mountain. And we possess as more reliable the prophetic word, to which you do well if you pay attention to it, as to a lamp shining in a dark place, until the day dawns, and the morning star rises in your hearts. Recognizing this above all, that every prophecy of scripture does not come about from one's own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men, carried along by the Holy Spirit, spoke from God. Well, that's the reading. Let's dig in while the major danger that Peter was writing about in 1st Peter was persecution, the main danger that Peter is writing about in this letter is false teachers. And while knowing the truth is a good part of avoiding false teaching, probably more important is what we do with what we know. So Peter will spend time talking about us working on our spiritual character. He starts out calling himself not just an apostle, but also a slave of Jesus, someone who works for Jesus. He doesn't specify the location of the recipients geographically. He just says that they have an equal faith by the righteousness of Jesus. I think it is interesting to note that Peter calls Jesus God here. He gives a typical Christian greeting of grace and peace be multiplied to you, and then continues to tie that to knowledge of God and Jesus, Mentioning the word knowledge twice. He says that we can become sharers of the divine nature. And we do that by escaping the corruption in the world. I think through our actions again. Then he lists a chain of things to work on in our character. And says to do it with diligence. Hard work. He starts with faith, which is another word for belief. Of course, he means faith in Jesus. Then excellence of character. I think this is the idea that we will do the right thing for the right reason. That we will do the right thing when it is hard and it hurts. Then, knowledge. So we need to know the right thing to do. Then, self-control. This is the ability to force ourselves to do the thing we know we need to do when our flesh wants to do the easy thing. Then, patient endurance. That we are willing to take the long view and go through some suffering because we are focused ahead. Then, godliness. That we are leaning toward God, looking toward God. We fear and love God. Then, brotherly love. This is caring about other people and doing good for them. And finally, he just says, love. This love is not a feeling, it is an action to do what is best for others, putting them first, doing what is best for them, even when they don't want what is best for themselves. Of course, love for God will always do what God wants because God always wants what is best. Peter says if we are growing in all of these things, then our knowledge will not be useless. He states things positively by saying that if we have these things, we will not be nearsighted. The idea of nearsighted is only seeing what is right in front of your face instead of seeing the big picture. So, positively, we will see the big picture. Peter says that we will make God's calling of us sure by doing these things. Peter says that he knows he doesn't have a lot of time left on this earth, so even though his readers already know these things, he wants to remind them one more time, and once he is gone, they will have this letter to remind them. Then Peter reminds them that he is an eyewitness of Jesus in the flesh. Peter spent three years with Jesus, so he knows this isn't made up, and the event in all of that time that Peter picks out to summarize it is what we call the Transfiguration, when Peter James and John were on a mountain with Jesus and saw him become bright and shining and heard the father speak, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. So Peter says, we can rely on prophecy. He says it doesn't come from humans, but from God, from the Holy Spirit. And now for a deeper dive. I see Peter mentioning knowledge over and over in this chapter, but he's also making a big focus on our working out that knowledge and how we live. It reminds me of what Paul said in Romans 1.21. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks, but they became futile in their reasoning, and their senseless hearts were darkened. That if we don't act on the knowledge we have, we will lose that knowledge. We know this is how it works with muscles. We have to exercise or our muscles will go away. We have to act. The same is true of knowledge, at least with spiritual knowledge, because if we refuse to do what we know God wants us to do, we start to take hold of lies, and we lose the truth. And Peter gives us some tough teaching about election. The Calvinist or Reformed view of election is that God chooses who will be saved, and it isn't up to us because we were dead in our sins but that doesn't seem to square completely, in my opinion, with what Peter says in verse 10. Therefore, brothers, be zealous, even more, to make your calling and election secure, because if you do these things, you will never, ever stumble. So Peter clearly is saying we have to act on this. On the other hand, the words calling and election cause people who believe in free will and focus on accepting the gospel to tense up a bit. It seems that Peter clearly believes that we are called and chosen by God and also believes that we have a choice and work to do in the matter. Now, I know that both people who believe the Reformed view and the Free Will view can fit this passage into their theology because otherwise they would either reject this book or they would change their theology. I think that people of the Reformed view will say that we prove by our actions that God has chosen and elected us. So if you don't act, it proves that you weren't chosen in the first place. And those who believe in free will will say that God chose a group of people, those who accept him, rather than specific people. Well, I'll just say I'm not 100% comfortable with either of these explanations. But perhaps this is because we're talking about something that is a little beyond us. I think we can all agree with Peter that if we are showing the fruit, that we are growing in these things that it is a testimony that we are God's elect and that we will need to put effort into growing in these things. So that just leaves an easier question, at least theologically. Am I growing in these things? Scripture quotations are from the Lexham English Bible, copyright 2012 Logos Bible Software. Lexham is a registered trademark of Logos Bible Software.